right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 248. Jason Lingren is with me, and uh, one of the two gentlemen we want to speak with in Australia is with us. Uh, of course, there's about 11 hour difference between us, so Jason and I are recording in the evening. It's morning for them. Uh, Daryl O'Brien, who you may remember from a past episode, uh, we're going to get into. I, I mean, we were just calling it the Twilight Zone. It's like Dracula moved to Australia and changed the name of the place to Draconian or something. Uh, welcome, Jason. Good evening, Crow. So we got anything or should we just jump in and hear the horror story? I am going to have some things to announce, but not quite yet. They're in the works. Okay. Um, this is not going to run on social media at all. Anything to do with talking about the rights of living men and women is off limits. Anything we've done that talks about anything medical or even laws on the books, which are actually in a book you can pick up and read. You can't talk about it on social media. So, Daryl, welcome. And we can say whatever the heck we want because this ain't running anywhere but on my site. Well, thanks, Crow, and thanks, Jason. <clears throat> yes, um, we are in the twilight zone. And I guess in one sense, we need to um, celebrate this and know that uh, hopefully... Uh, the people will, the, the sleeping giant will wake up <clears throat> and stop this ridiculous um, charade that's happening right now here in Victoria. Well, as Jason pointed out, it's almost some places in the world, and I think Australia is one of those places, are basically following the format that was put down in the Star Wars sagas, where they're showing the galactic Senate or whatever it's called, uh, prepping up, setting the stage, and then taking over the world on the idea of emergency, which is exactly what's happening to you. But I got to ask, are your court systems up and running down there, or have they been closed? The court systems are running. They're operating through Zoom, and only special cases, if needed, will they open a courtroom up. And, um, of course, they run through this ridiculous... Uh, protocol relating to this alleged disease so if your courts are up and running are you aware are is anyone making a run at this is anyone pointing out that there is no basis in law for anything that's going on i mean i know they've declared a state of emergency but uh, according to what you hinted at as we got in here they're not even following the protocols for that yes there are lawyers stepping up there's one a lawyer here in Melbourne, Serene Tafaha, and she has been putting together a class action with respect to the closure of the borders. There's seven states here in, in Australia, and she's trying to push to open those borders. There was another high court hearing where one of the big mining mag magnates, uh, Clive Palmer, took the West Australian government into the federal court first and then the high court relating to accessing his mines in West Australia. And that got put on hold until November. But the class action, um, the first lot of paperwork went out yesterday. So she's put the offer to the government with respect to the, the emergency powers that are being um, exercised here in Victoria uh, and the closure of the borders. So she's trying to cover two or three things <clears throat> in her um, claims. If the government don't respond accordingly, then she will file an action, an action against them in the courts. So um, we eagerly await that. But on the other hand, what we're doing is we've just done up a cease and desist order on the state governor um, to show us her authority under the crown of the United Kingdom because all of the, the queen is the fountain of all justice and the queen must be present essentially in the executive, the parliamentary and the court system for which we know they are not, uh, the queen is not present. They actually, they have deliberately pushed aside their head of power. Uh, so we're calling them out on that. Uh, and all of their co-conspirators, if they fail to respond to that cease and desist notice, then they fall foul of the Treason Felony Act 1848, which is still in force here in Australia and throughout the Commonwealth. 
and that pretty much spells out what they can look forward to under that under section three of that act um essentially they are to be deported huh. to, to where is there an <laughs> island somewhere <laughs> it's it's a bit of a bizarre it's a you know it's a 19th century law uh-huh. it's something that we've yeah it spells out perfectly their misbehavior uh, you couldn't want for a better piece of law but um uh, the penalty is a bit of a head scratcher. The, I mean, I've had a couple of thoughts pop into mind as to where to deport them to. Uh, <laughs> one of those thoughts, unfortunately, requires um, <laughs> SpaceX to be a bit more advanced than it is. Well, I think uh, Alcatraz is vacant. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this brings up a whole other big question. Um, is there still a Queen of England? I mean, we're not sure she's around anymore. They pulled her coat of arms off the castle gate there. There's been at least media print saying she was planning on stepping down, handing her power to a princess or something. I've forgotten, but um, how does that play into all this? Do we, is, is there even still a queen of England or is that all gone now? Well, I mean, therein lies a, a can of worms. <laughs> That's a, uh, she essentially, in 1972, uh, she became a citizen of the European Union when the United Kingdom joined the European Union. So the sovereignty was essentially put to one side. Um, uh, therefore, her she couldn't exercise any powers as uh, the representative for the sovereignty of the United Kingdom. Um, from 1972 onwards. And then Brexit came into being and they pushed and shoved and carried on since 2016 relating to um, the standing with the European Union. Brussels certainly didn't want to let England go. They wouldn't let her go. Uh, They forced, that forced an election, of course, last year. Um, And they did a deal. So... The Westminster Parliament passed a piece of legislation called the European Union Act. And in Section 38 of that Act, the sovereignty or the sovereign power that the monarch has traditionally fulfilled was handed to the Parliament. So she, she lost any thread of her powers as she became an historical figure maybe she knew what 2020 was coming and she was going to you know make for the bunker or something (laughs) i mean why yeah why would you just hand off you know basically authority over lord knows how much of the world well the crazy thing is there's nothing in the law that prescribes her the ability to do that the laws of england are fairly well laid out and tried and tested and there is no ability They created it in that act. They've yet to be brought into account for that. Of course, this behind the the curtain in this particular situation, of course, is Rome. And um, they're just trying their hardest to take away the power of all of these sovereign governments and uh, attain it for themselves so that they can dictate around the world. But... um, Essentially, the laws are that well written that she can't do it. We've got to get over Section 38 in England. We've essentially done that. We've already um, foresee- we foresaw this European Union Act coming into being when we filed our case against the West Australian government last year. We've, uh, I spent a month in England, January 2019, I started the process, and then in November, uh, one of our team went over there and filed another action, which was um, successful. The court saw that we had standing, um, saw that we needed to get remedy because of the unconstitutional situation um, that's been occurring in Australia since 1973, and... uh, gave orders to our team to then serve a summons on the Victoria, uh, the West Australian governor, 
the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court uh, and the Attorney General in West Australia calling them out. Uh, they had 30 days essentially to file a defence. Uh, the only response that the court got from the Attorney General was, could you please put um, throw this case out? The Attorney General tried twice over a period of weeks to knock the action out. The court had already made a decision, you have to file a defence. You've got no choice. And I don't know whether this is a coincidence or not, but the 20th of March was the day, the last day they had to file a defence, and that was the day they shut the system down. So the courts were shut in England. Mm. Um, our system called out this COVID-19 bizarre disease, and we've been in pretty much lockdown ever since with very limited access. But um, we've been ringing and emailing the court uh, ever since, virtually on a daily basis with no response. So I, I think I think we need Jason to do his impression of the emperor. It almost seems to me um, we're going to get in a minute uh, to the actual draconian measures that have been put in place here in Melbourne. So we'll talk about that. But just do it, Jason. Go ahead and do the line from the damn movie. That's what they're playing from. Yeah, it is right. In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So um, you told us earlier that someone in government is pushing to get permanent emergency powers, whatever that might be. But uh, Daryl, can you just run down for folks? Um, I made the statement it was draconian over there, and I know because there are so many Aussies that follow me, um, so I've heard from many places, and my eyes pop out of my head every time I read one of these emails. Can you just kind of outline what's been levied against you folks? Yes. In um, about two weeks ago, the Premier of Victoria, um, because Victorians got its Victoria and each state of Australia has got its own state government, just like you you guys have in the states, uh, answerable, of course, to the Commonwealth government, a uh, similar scenario to, to your system. Uh, he announced these emergency powers. So and he, when he announced the emergency powers, he announced a state of disaster relating to the alleged deaths and uh, this people contracting or contacting this disease uh, of which the numbers really <laughs> didn't um, really play out it was just bizarre uh, but anyway he moved forward he called a state of disaster so <clears throat> under a state of disaster he could push the parliamentary sittings aside so he was operating under what we've got here is the Emergency Management Act, 1986, and under Section 23, if a state of disaster has been declared, which he has, under this section, the Premier must report on the state of disaster and the powers exercised under Section 24 to both Houses of Parliament as soon as practicable after the declaration, if Parliament is then sitting, and if Parliament is not then sitting as soon as practicable after the next meeting of Parliament. Now, he's put all that aside. He's declared the state of emergency. He's declared the state of a disaster. He's been on the TV and the, the radio uh, on a daily basis reporting on the new lot of cases and the amount of people that have died. And he's maintained this scenario. And a few days ago, he announced that he's put application to the Solicitor General to have the emergency powers installed permanently. Now, these emergency powers... Have, have given him the ability to call a curfew. So from no one's allowed out of their house after uh, 8 o'clock at night and no one's allowed to go out into the streets until 5 o'clock in the morning. And then between 5 and 8, if you travel 
any more than five kilometres, which is about three miles from your place of residence, then you need a work permit. And the work permits have been put up on a website, a government website. And if anyone fails, if anyone's pulled over by the police, uh, because what they do is they do a, a number plate scan and they can tell where the car is from. If you're outside of that five-kilometre radius, you can be served with anything, uh, the maximum fine being anywhere up to $20,000. <laughs> and that, that depends on the severity. So if you give them a hard time, uh, they can impose the largest fine. Uh, otherwise, the fines, they, they sort of um, work their way up to that, that large figure, which would be imposed more on corporations and companies. Individuals can look forward to a fine of up to $10,000. So if you have a work permit, um, but the work permit's been filled out not according to what they want and what the form says, then that can incur a fine of up to $16,000. The paperwork is pretty hard to understand at the best of times it's not easy but only those with some sort of legal training would be able to make adjustments to it but here we are we've got these work permits and it has caused um, people to um, restrict their movement you're only allowed out for one hour exercise and when you do step outside of your property line you must wear a mask mandatory mask wearing uh, you won't be served in shops or anything unless you've got a mask and they have been heavily encouraging people that if they see somebody who's not wearing a mask immediately ring the police and they will come around and issue a 200 dollars on the spot fine for not wearing a mask there has been two occasions <clears throat> one teenage girl was not wearing a mask and she had a doctor's certificate because she uh, was an asthma sufferer. The police officer didn't take any notice of that and was basically strangling her on the footpath. Her boyfriend was filming the whole thing. Uh, the police officer then put the girl down onto the footpath and basically sat on top of her while still trying to strangle her. Eventually, other police officers arrived at the scene and they took her away. We haven't heard from her. There was a 58-year-old woman who went into a shopping centre to get um, some lunch. She ordered a ham and cheese roll or whatever at a takeaway place. She didn't wear a mask. The shopkeeper asked her if she could please put a mask on. In fact, the shopkeeper was even supplying the mask. She refused. One of the customers and this lady had an altercation. They were arguing about the mask-wearing episode. The shopkeeper asked this lady if she could wait outside rather than have an altercation in this lady's shop. That's fine. She went outside. Uh, lunch was brought out to her. She then went to her car. Uh, the, but the customer that the lady had been talking to had rang the police. Eight police officers appeared. By this stage, the woman had got into a car. Her husband was in the car. He was driving. And the police officers come around to the passenger side of the car and physically dragged this woman out of the car, arrest, threw her on the ground, put her in cuffs, and this is eight police officers, fully armed, <laughs> and took her down to the station. They, um, She would not consent to the actions that were being um, put onto her by the police or the court. Court, um, they was basically put her, in, put her in front of a magistrate for the purpose of bail. Because she wasn't consenting, the magistrate just said, well, you can go to jail for 14 days. So she's um, uh, she was doing her paperwork uh, just Thursday to get out, hopefully Monday, out of jail. Then she's got a court hearing to go to. So it is bizarre what's happening here. 
This is sounding an awful lot like, uh, oh, I don't know, Nazi Germany, uh, uh, Stalin's Russia, maybe. <laughs> There's another side to this that's beginning to dawn on me uh, in your area because we're not seeing anything like that. Um, as a matter of fact, I haven't put on a mask for this whole thing. To be fair, my wife goes out a lot more than I do, uh, but I still haven't put on a mask. Uh, that's not true. I had to put one on to get into a dentist for an emergency procedure, which I wore for about 10 minutes. But it almost seems like they're counting on the emergency, active emergency procedure, whatever the hell they want to call it, state of emergency, to become permanent. Because at some point, the cows are coming home, right? That rooster's going to roost if the courts ever open um, and things ever get any semblance of normal. What do you think? I mean, are they just, they're banking on everything here, aren't they? Oh, heavily. Uh, they're really pushing this envelope and with daily, you know, whenever you turn on your radio or television, um, we're being bombarded with propaganda about this COVID-19 and how serious it is. And yet, Nobody's died. <laughs> no, you know, the thing is, the people that are dying, and they actually openly admit this, the majority of people who are dying have already got one foot in the grave. They're in aged care facilities, and the COVID-19 has been put down as the cause of death. Uh, and we've got one chap uh, here in Victoria who was contacted by his doctor to say that his grandfather had passed away, who had been in um, a hospice <laughs> uh, for two years with severe lung cancer. So they were waiting for him to die anyway. And the doctor asked the family if they could record COVID-19 as the cause of death on the death certificate, and they were willing to pay for the grandfather's funeral if... Um, if they did this now unreal god luckily this the one chap out of this family when this phone call came through he recorded the phone call now he's filed an action in the courts against the doctor and the hospital and the age or the aged care facility relating to the you know this COVID 19 being put on the death certificate it's it's really odd. The doctors are asking, well, we've never had to, like if someone died of cancer, they put cancer or lung cancer or what specific type. Uh, but when it comes to influenza, which is what this corona sort of falls into the category of, they only put, if need be, um, influenza. But they've never had to actually put me on the type of influenza before. You know, we've had... So, um, SARS-1, we've had types of influenza, types of um, corona since, I think, the 1990s. But uh, that's never had to go onto a death certificate before in that format. Of course, medical professions asking what the hell's going on, those that are asking too many questions, basically being told not to come into work tomorrow. Elective surgery has been put to one side. Uh, people are dying of... Um, cancer and heart attacks. There's been, the, the heart attack death rate has gone up 40% here in, in Victoria since the hospitals um, had elective surgeries um, shut down. Um, doctors, doctor friends of mine and nurses that I've met through doing this law stuff for the last 20 years as, uh, uh, at home. <laughs> watching TV or reading a book. They can't go to work. The hospitals are basically empty. It's, it is bizarre, but the, the most bizarre thing is that the general population is accepting this. Well, and I, I, I would add, though, that's as far as you can see because basically that's the problem everywhere. The information sources are controlled. So for you to have any view of a true pattern and say just Melbourne, how could you possibly do that? And the reason I'm making this point is to put a little hope out there um, because a couple things come to mind here. When you're doing draconian measures at that extreme level, all based on an act of emergency that would typically see its end, it's pretty clear that they're banking that they're going to be able to keep their state of emergency. But my point would be, for all you know, um, Daryl, there could be 
thousands and thousands of people that are sitting at home thinking just about the way you are now. It's just that you only see uh, the negative aspects. Um, how? I, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that are buying this, and it's typically the people that are sitting in front of their cable news. Um, but I wanted to add this to uh, to make a point about permanent emergency acts. Jason just sent me what the evil emperor in Star Wars said, which was clearly pre-echoing some of the planned stuff that's going to go on here. They're not even really missing the bells and whistles. But I mean, what do you what do you think, Daryl? Is it possible that there's actually a lot more people that have had it up to their eyeballs than you're aware of? Oh, absolutely. My day job is a plumber. So I fall into what, what's known as the essential services. So I'm able still to drive around and I'm covering all parts of Melbourne as such. I've never been pulled over. They, the police stopped pulling me over many years ago. But I've, I've been meeting and talking with people and they are, in, they are knowledgeable that there's something wrong, but they feel... They don't know what to do. They're looking for a direction. And no one's jumping up and saying, hey, over here, you know, you've got to do A, B, C, D. And no one's doing that. And when I, with my knowledge of the law and the, the court system and government, um, when I start talking to them about this, some of them get really quite panicky. <laughs> and they sort of want to just run and hide. Mm. Others sort of go, wow, yeah, terrific. And we've got a website for them. We've got social media for them to go to. And they feel much relieved. But they are really restricting what we are doing. We also do weekly um, internet radio. So uh, we're getting overwhelmed in, in that sense uh, at that radio station uh, with people <laughs> you know, saying thank God for you guys. Um, I'm in meetings. We had a big meeting last night with the uh, Tribal Federation. Um, in fact, <clears throat> two weeks ago, I was meant to sort of hang up my tool belt and head over to Western Australia where we've just pretty much completed a touring bus. And we've put our uh, political party um, logos all over the bus and we're about to hit the road and get the word out because we've had, we have a federal election in two years time so we need to be on the road and getting this knowledge <clears throat> out to the general population and we're, we had a big meeting last night with the tribal federation over zoom and uh they're all keen, but it's as if the system knows exactly what we're doing because anyone from Victoria is pretty much toxic and they've put these draconian quarantine laws in place relating to anyone stepping outside of Victoria because you might have this dreaded COVID-19 and we can't have risk having you spread it anywhere. So you're going to have to, you're going to be taken out of the airport. Uh, you're going to be put into these hotel motels and you're going to have to pay um something like two and a half thousand dollars uh so we can keep you in quarantine and then we're going to make sure that uh, you're going to be tested daily and you're going to have to think very seriously about being vaccinated if you want to come out into our city or into our state it's bizarre so that's restricted us, and I've put that that flight off now um, until late September. But um, the Tribal Federation and those people are very keen. We're all doing as joining up and doing a cease and desist on every state governor, and we're going to try and bring this system to its knees as quickly as possible. But of course, our biggest resistance is going to be the hypnotised general public uh, with respect to this COVID-19. We're going to have to sort of, I think, wear our masks and just ask those um, chief medical officers for evidence and just ask questions rather than make any allegations. 
I don't think it's very dangerous to make allegations. Let, let me jump in. By the way, when I assume when you said tribal, you were referring to what us in the United States would think of as Aboriginal peoples. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, good. Some common sense. Some people who can still interact with nature and haven't lost the righteousness that was offered us. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make some assumptions here. So I apologize if I make an ass of you and me. But seems to me the queen's missing. Seems to me that if a hospital is offering to pay a dude a few thousand dollars, someone is paying that hospital to get that word written on their death certificate. Seems to me I'm aware that it's happening here in the United States to the tune of something like thirty thousand for an admission, something close to sixty for a death cert with that magic word written on it. So somebody's ponying up. I gotta ask, um, is that the evil Pope over there smoking his evil dope, the crushed up bones of virgins or whatever that man does? Is the Pope at the top of everything that is the woes of Australia? Queen Queen appears to be missing. So who's 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 pulling the strings? Who's who's writing the checks? Oh, most definitely. It would be the Bank of International Settlements in Bern in Switzerland and the twelve Jesuits. Mm. Run that whole show. Seed Corporation, is that right? Yes, Seed Company. C E C E D E Company. And you've got uh, the DTC. And the DTCC, which is the Depository Trust Clearing Company, and the Depository Trust Company, they are the the eye of the um, looking through the rose in the um, capstone of the pyramid, looking down over the thirteen levels of the pyramid. So they're the the, the top of the pile, and of course. The COVID-19, in fact, all corona um, viruses have been patented. They all wear a patent. So they, they registered those patents, I think, in the early 1990s. Doesn't that kind of make someone liable to own the thing, to own the rights of a thing that's supposedly doing this damage? But anyhow, I started this, this line of conversation for a reason. So the only way this works, if I'm logically thinking correct, is because all of us are dead. We all got a birth certificate. We don't have the rights of a living man or a woman in legal terms. Would all this change if there was an acceptable, proven method to go deal with what happened at birth when the corporation and the, the legal fiction claiming that we're lost at sea or however you want to say, basically we're dead, basically we're without breath legally on paper, um, if that was dealt with so that a living man or a living woman had to be recognized as such and not lost at sea and not all these legal fictions, wouldn't all this crap around us start to fall apart? If we walk down that path, we've accepted that jurisdiction for which they've created. And therein lies another trap another trap door for which once you fall into there's no way out so so wait a minute are, are you saying if someone goes to be recognized as not lost at sea or whatever the birth certificate does however you want to phrase that and they become basically what's referred to as living man or woman then they are now trapped once they accept the the birth certificate and once they try and get redemption from that certificate as the living, they're accepting that jurisdiction. And that's the trap they've deliberately set it up that way so that those that are intelligent enough to work this whole thing out and go, hang on, there's <laughs> something's wrong here, and then find, well, hey, look at this thing. It's a trust. It's got a number of offices within that trust. The grand tour is the state or the essentially Rome. And wow, they've got me down as a trustee. Gee, what's the role of a trustee? Oh, gee, I'm a fiduciary. I'm a slave, crying out loud. And of course, those that write the laws then pertaining to that person, those, 
those laws I'm obliged to operate under. Gee, where do I go? I know, I'll, I'll step into the role of a beneficiary. I'll step into the administrative role. There's nothing stopping a, a trustee from doing that. So if you just go ahead and say, I'm the beneficiary, I'm no longer the trustee, uh, and I want to benefit from that, that office that you guys have created, well, look out because there are penalties for that because they don't want the general public to find out about that. Otherwise, they lose their power and it becomes a bit awkward. So we want to keep, they want to keep us in as trustees so they can, they can herd the cattle around. That was the whole point of this. But you step out of that, you're in trouble. The only safe role is to be in the executive arm as the uh, personal representative. The personal representative can then disconnect themselves and any claims they make are then the obligation of the grantor. Okay, you've raised a controversy through your law that the person is liable for. Well, we're not that person. We are that person's personal representative, and we don't consent, essentially, to that um, role. So you're responsible for it. I'm out of this. But the consequence of doing that is I don't want your offset ability or set off ability. I don't, I only operate in your system because I'm forced to. Now, basically, it's a way of saying, leave me alone. Let me get on with my life. I know who you are. I know what your game is. So leave me alone. And this is why they've left me alone for many years. Now, I had to, I, I had three court cases where I, I pointed that out strenuously. They made sure in two of those court cases that I was the only one in that room and the judge tried over a period of probably about half an hour to get me to join her into the court. At the end of uh, two of those court cases, they basically said, well, Department of Public Prosecutions come up to me and said, well, this is not nothing to do with you anymore, mate. Have a lovely day. See you later. I don't get speeding fines. I don't get parking fines. There was a, I went through the trilogy. So, so what, it, what is your status then? I still operate within the system because it's, they've, they've given me nowhere else to go, but they are aware the best thing is to just keep well away from me because I know they're going. So is, is it incorrect? Tell me if you think this is incorrect. There's an idea that all this lost at sea admiralty law, whatever uh, we've heard so many people call it so many different versions of things, but you know what I'm getting at? Basically you're dead uh, on paper. You're not alive. You're not granted the rights of a living man or a living woman. Uh, you're under the rules of everything that comes with that fiction. There's an idea brewing that if you prove that you were born alive and you demonstrated in some meaningful way that fits all the little hoops and bells and whistles that got to get rung, then all of a sudden you're answerable to God, kind of like the old common law idea. Do you not agree with that? Oh, I agree with it. And the status that you're talking about is Latin. It's de jure solemn et naturel. That has a nice ring to it. Yes. And it means you are answerable only to the creator, separate from the Holy See. And I use that phrase in my paperwork and orally in the court. These are the things that they want to hear in order to then say, okay, off you go. Just get out of our face. We'll get on with herding the rest of the cattle. So, so but... But you still, so in, it, it does, does what I just described fit your status in the world? 
essentially, I can, yeah, I can still operate. I still use the license. I still do all of these things. And the system just leaves me alone. I leave them alone as such. But it's get it's got to this point here in Australia where even those laws within the Holy See are now being abused and the military codes are being abused. And uh, I think Australia's the test case for this. This is this is what happens if you would consent to this holy see. You know, they've they've got a nasty surprise, and that is you're a person, now we we you've given us this control, now we're just gonna do whatever we like. And this will come out and, and it will manifest in the form of right compulsory mandatory vaccination. This is the transhumanism. This is the human being 2.0. And you will lose your creator-given freedom of movement around this planet, which is your immune system. Our immune system is a gift. We're able to interact, go anywhere in this world, and our immune system allows us to um, keep going. Well, what about your, with the status you currently described and have obtained for yourself, no one can stick a needle in you. You've already (laughs) determined that you're only, you're only answerable to the creator. So how can they compel you to get the needle? Well, and that's a test that is yet to come. They can make it hard, clearly, like you're not going here, you're not going there. But even that is a violation. See, it seems to me, and you're not going to hear me say this on my show very much, but all the bullshit that we put up with in this world is foundationally has to be built on things that are true and provably exist. It's one of the reasons there's a Bible in every courtroom. There has to be a foundation there somewhere that someone can eventually point to, to say, that's what we built on. Right? So everywhere in the world, basically it comes to the creation. It comes to the land. It comes to the sea. It comes to the Bible. It comes to the creator, but anyone from my point of view, who infringes on a human being that's obtained that you have, there's there's hell to pay, isn't there? And they should know it. Yes. And they will, the 2020s will be the, the decade of vaccinations and the destruction of the human immune system. And this will fulfill the eugenics doctrine that these people are pushing. It will curb the population of the planet um, to what they believe is should be the population and it will destroy equity. Damn. It will, it will pull up, put a handful of people into the role of controlling um, God's creation. They would have effectively destroyed the creation and <laughs> it, you can't help but keep going back to the Bible and seeing this whole scenario being rolled out. Yeah, but I, I got news for him. We, we see, see, as this began, I began to recognize the little thumbprints that referenced the book of Revelation. And I decided, I talked with Wayne McCroy, who is a friend of ours, who's very biblically savvy. And we thought about covering, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was a trap to do it. And part of the reason is because how people treat the Bible. Some people are overzealous. Some people think it's nonsense. There's really, it's, it's, it's kind of like an astrologer and astronomy guy in the same room. They ain't meeting in the middle. It's going to be nothing but trouble. But my point here is that the bad guys lose. So we saw the parallels into the book of revelation from the get go with the old bus with the white horse on the front was one of the first pictures of this supposed pandemic in China, the British bus with the white horse echoing revelation. We went in and we found other examples, uh, the request for the sacrifice of a sheep near the temple. It was all there and it was starting to line up and I walked away from it for the simple reason that this is what's baffling to me. We know that parts of the Bible get used as a playbook or mimicked or whatever the truth of it is, what you read there actually appears in real life. So clearly people are making decisions based on the knowledge of what 
is claimed is going to happen. But my point is, is the freaking bad guys lose. There is no version of this where the bad guys win. Unless you can make the argument that the guys we think are the good guys are actually the bad guys. Other than that, the bad guys lose. Oh, absolutely agree with you, Pro. You couldn't have said it better. But keep in mind that the Bible and, and religion are two separate things. That's a fact. That is one of the most important things that has been said on my show in a long time. And it, uh, you don't, you have no idea how much of my life I have spent because of the problem that you just laid down there. In fact, you're very lucky in the United States. There's a gentleman that promotes, uh, he's the sort of leader, he's the public face of a group of scholars around the world who have put together a proper Bible and they're not claiming to be a religion, thank God. And that Bible is called the CEPHA. It's C-E-P-H-E-R. And in that CEPHA... Is that... Wait a minute. Is that like cephalus from head, Latin for head? Uh, you know your Latin better than me, Crow. Yeah. Sefa is the true word of the creator. Mm. And that word is in what's called the Torah. And in this Sefa, and you've got a company in, in the United States called Sefa Publishing, and they publish this Bible that's available online. And in fact, he's even got a YouTube channel, and he does sort of 10-minute sort of snippets out of the Sefer, and the Sefer is made up, the proper Torah within the Sefer is made up of the all of the books of the Bible, including the Apocrypha, including the book of Enoch. Wow. Yeah, it is an awesome read, but the yeah. most powerful thing is one of the things he, he really emphasizes is that the ancient scriptures which formed the Torah Work the the one of the keys was the true name of the creator. There is energy in that name, so they withheld that name and they put out a false name to the Goya, to the cattle, and they've held that that secret and they've held that energy that that name has for themselves, and in the forward to this Sefer Torah, they actually, it's a brilliant forward. It sort of explains what's actually been taking place. And in the last page of the forward, it has one whole page devoted to the different names that the Creator has. So the Holy Spirit, the Son, yeah, there's, a whole bunch, there's one whole page devoted to it. And so when you read the Torah, you don't see the word Lord or God anywhere. It's the real name of that particular energy of the creator in, in that particular scenario. It, it is just wow. so eye-opening. I, I got to wrap up. Jason's pinging me. We're, we're coming short on, on hour one. But do you have an in with those guys? Because if you don't, uh, I'm going to ask Rose if she can try to get us an in with those guys. I don't. I've only ordered the book. Um, there is a distributor here in Australia, and I ordered my copy. Uh, but I, I strongly urge you, Chris. Please, please, yeah, please, please email me, and I'm sorry to rush you along. But, um, yeah. Jason, I'm not even going to ask you. I know we're over, so I'm just going to wrap it up. That's the first hour for episode 248 uh, with Daryl O'Brien, Jason Lindgren. These are important episodes, and if nothing else, just that end part. But when we get back... I'm going to take a deep dive into some other things about the Vatican while we've got so much knowledge sitting here. And I'm not kidding, Daryl. If you could please email me about that. I was totally unaware, and I'll I'll jump into that with both feet. Matter of fact, I'll crawl on all fours if I have to to get into something like that. Um, but there it is. Join us on the other side. This is not going to run on uh, social media, so you're already on my site if you're listening to this. The second hour, you got to be a member. Uh, it's about the price of a cup of coffee. It's how we defend free speech behind that paywall. So join us. Logged in at crow777radio.com for hour two. There it is, man. Cheers. 
Enemies of Noise. 